Good morning. Yes. Greetings to you all in the matchless name of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Uh, it's indeed an honor for me to stand here again and share the word. Uh, this, this message is very close to my heart because God has been speaking to me from the beginning of this year. It's something that was in works. And uh, it kind of summarizes what you've been hearing uh, from Brother Kevin, Tim, Jeff, uh, they've been repeatedly saying, you know, giving the content here and there. I'm kind of summarizing it. Um, uh, so, you know, it's, it's, it's what the Holy Spirit has been speaking to me for a long time. Um, again, uh, other thing that I want to mention is uh, we speaking up here doesn't make, make us any holier or it doesn't make us like we are like super spiritual people. We need the exact grace and mercy like you guys. Uh, because I'm going to share something from my personal experience, which may not be the greatest thing. It's not something I'm very proud about, uh, but I'm convicted in the spirit to share that because that's something I'm correcting in my life. And I hope that will be an encouragement in your life. So for today's meditation, let's turn our Bibles to Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 and 19. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. So, beginning of this year, um, an incredible thing happened to me. Holy Spirit convicted me as if a, a, a truck came and hit me. Uh, my mom's cousin, uh, he was a pastor, um, you know, born and raised in India, moved to U.S. a long time ago. Um, he ministered in different parts of this country. Um, he, you know, later on, you know, he had some medical conditions. You know, he couldn't move, he couldn't speak. Uh, he passed away. Um, so that's my mom's first cousin. Uh, so the, the, the next generation of us, we are second cousins. Um, so I heard the news, um, you know, I went for the funeral, um, you know, as a part of the family. Uh, they live in uh, Ben Salem, Pennsylvania. Um, I go down there and um, uh, it was a great, great, uh, you know, ceremony, um, funeral, I would say. Uh, the testimonies I've heard, uh, you know, that was touching. Uh, that shows how a godly man lived. Uh, he has four daughters, and out of the four, two of them married to pastors. And all four families, like all four daughters, are in ministry in some of the other forms. Uh, that's the legacy of a spiritual man. Um, so an incredible thing happened. Uh, so one of the daughters... Um, um, his, uh, hus you know, her husband uh, is a pastor. They planted a church in Ben Salem uh, roughly around uh, three, four years ago. And uh, they're doing a great work there. So after the whole funeral and everything, they said, hey, Jobin, you should come home. We family and the friends are all meeting there so we could have lunch together. Uh, so I go there. And, um, you know, meeting everybody, and then uh, Pastor Jacob comes and says, Jobin, praise the Lord, how are you? And, you know, he's talking to me, and then he says, Jobin, 
I wish I had five more jo- five Jobins in my church. Then I will be set. As a problem of pastors, like, you know, I just need, even if one Jobin, I'll be very happy. So I started joking. I said, you know what? You really need to talk to Jeff about this. <laughs> and uh, uh, we joked about it, um, you know, and then we had some conversations. And then on my drive back, that question started ringing in my head. Why did he say that? Why did he want a Jobin in his church? So I started looking back into my life. So when I first came to United States in 2009, uh, in Chicago, his sister uh, was in Chicago, and that I was very close with that family. Every weekend I spent with them. Uh, I was very active in the church. Um, you know, I had the opportunity to disciple some of the youngsters in that church. Uh, they've heard stories of uh, how, how I was involved in ICPF. ICPF stands for Intercollegiate Prayer Fellowship and different ministries in India, different areas that I served. So he heard the stories and he knows that in my life, gospel was the center focus of my life at one point in life. Nothing else mattered in my life. It was, how do I share the gospel of Christ to others? How I can lead other people to Christ? And I started looking back a little deeper. And I still remember an instance. So, you know, high school, we call it college in India. Uh, So when I was in high school, uh, before my school starts, I would go like an hour, two hour early. Because there was this beautiful park that nobody goes to. And I would go sit there, I would read my Bible, I would pray, and then go to school. Very quiet time, there's nobody to you know, uh, disturb. And there's a bridge, uh, it, it's a river and there's a bridge. So from the park you can see this bridge. And there's so many vehicles going back and forth. And I would look at that And I would look at all those people going and tears would fall from my eyes knowing that they do not know Jesus. It hurt me so much. The burden for souls was so much. I would sit there and cry. I was 16 years old. Every opportunity I got in my life, I used it to share gospel. When my friends have birthdays, You know what I give them? A Bible. I would stack up these New Testament Bibles. I will wrap it up nicely and I'll go give it to them. Some of them will be, what is this? Oh, it's a Bible. They're like, oh my God, it's a holy book. I don't want to touch it. I'm like, no, you're supposed to read it. (laughs) Valentine's Day. You know, ICPF, what we used to do is we would print out for, you know, John 3:16 and bring out the word Valentine in between market red. We would go to malls and we would just hand it over to people and say, happy Valentine's Day. We used every opportunity we had to reach out to people, share the gospel. And I look back, look ahead, a couple of, you know, of much years later, What happened to that Jobin? Talking about today's 16 year old, 
I always had this thing. I'm like, oh, today's kids are useless. They are, you know, they are serious about this, that. The other day, I was mixing sound, so I was sitting back there. Two of a teenager sitting on that side. Jeff is preaching here. And they are on Instagram. Um, what is the other major app? Whatever, I, because I can see that videos and uh, photos, they're scrolling through things. TikTok, I believe. And it caught my attention. And I was like, do they understand where they are? Let me put it into perspective. We are in the presence of the most holy God. The God who is the king of kings, the Lord of lords. In Malachi 1.6, this is what it reads. The son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am the father, where is my honor? And if I am the master, where is my reverence, says the Lord of hosts. To the Israelite, he's saying, if I am the father, where is my honor? If I am the master, where is my reverence? The amount of reverence we need in the presence of God. Where is it in our children today? I always complain about the kids. But that day, that week later, God started speaking to me at a whole different level. And he convicted me that the problem is not with the kids. It's partially my problem. Understand, when I was 16 years old, nobody told me, Jobin, you need to have a burden for souls. Nobody told me, Jobin, you need to go share gospel. Nobody told me to do certain things. Nobody asked me to go meditate upon the word of God. It is the result of years of years, people pouring into my life. It is the result of my mother's prayer. It's the result of my father pouring his word into my life. My mother, when she prayed, she never prayed for a great job or education or money or fame or anything. She, I would still remember she would cry, cry and cry and say, God, in this day and age, let my kids glorify your name and not depart from your ways. That's the mother of my prayer. And the result was at a very young age, we were fearless. We would go to any places. It doesn't matter if we would get persecuted, we would go proclaim the Christ. And understand this. These are like, it, this is all like 20 years and below people. Like very less supervision. Maybe, you know, one pastor or one of the leaders will be there. All kids. All kids, we would just take the guitar, go to places, just start singing songs and worshiping and people will gather. We just hand out tracks and we just get out of there. You never know what is coming next. So we just, we just have to be fast. But yes. It's our problem. As a church, it's our problem. Are we pouring out enough into the life of our youngsters? And if you want to pour out, you need to understand the words that I just read. The problem is, today we have a lot of supporters and cheerleaders for Christ, not disciples. What we need is disciple. I was discipled by disciples. 
they poured into my life. The moment we become supporters and cheerleaders, the aspect of discipleship goes away. And the result is you have more supporters. Maybe not as much supporting as you do. So looking back, looking now, somewhere, the passion to share gospel died down in my life. I got busy with life. I got busy with family. I have a job. Understand, when I had nothing in my life, Christ was everything for me. Growing up on a living room, we would just put a mat and we would sleep there. That was our bed. We didn't have a bed growing up. When I had a single pair of jeans, my focus was Christ. When I had one pair of shoes, my focus was Christ. Now I had drive the best car. I have a nice house. I have everything to satisfy the ego. I'm actively involved in the church. I'm doing the sound. I'm doing everything. The core fundamental, the great commission was lost somewhere. It took a backstage in my life. It convicted me so much this year as brother Tim was preaching, it was more of a reorientation. Putting that compass on the map again. This whole year we were focused on as a family, how we would evangelize, how we would serve God, how we're going to proclaim Christ. Our focus has been rerouting to that. See, we became comfortable. I personally looking into my life, right? Let me give you an example. My son, Timothy, right? I love my son. He loves me. We have our fellowship. We have time together. And he likes dinosaurs, right? I buy him a gift. I one day is like, son, you're my birthday. I love you. So here is a nice set of dinosaurs. And he goes, ooh, thank you, daddy. And he starts playing with it. The next day I come over and say, hey, do you want to go out and play? No, daddy, I'm busy. I'm busy with my dinosaurs. Okay, fine. You know, he just got his toy. The next day you go, imagine he says, sorry, daddy. I'm busy. Comes a point, you're not going to the source of your blessing instead of you're so focused on your blessings. That is your job, your family, everything you have. And you're so focused on it that you completely forgot where you got that in the first place from. It's always a slow fade. Nothing happens overnight. I did not lose track of my life overnight. It was slowly and steadily I came to that point. No divorces happen in like one day. It's a result of many, many years of strife. That is our biggest enemy. If you're not aware, if you're not reorienting your life every day, it's very easy to lose track. Have you ever wondered the things that crept into our politics and our school system? We always hate it. 
My question to you is, as a church, what did we do about it? Did we fight our battles? Did we get onto the knees unitedly? I'm not talking about our church in particular. In general, the church of God in this country, did we fight a battle? In prayer, no, we were busy with our own things and we looked at, watched the TV and we complained and we moved on. And that became the law. God called us to fight a battle on our knees. And here is the thing. I don't know how much you understand. We are not fighting a battle for the victory. We are fighting a battle in victory. The job was done on the cross. He gave us the victory. The victory was always already given to you. All you had to do is take it up and fight that battle. Stop complaining. We miserably, I'm included. I am equally, you know, admitting my fault. There are instances in my life where I should have prayed. I haven't. It's time that we need to step up and start discipling. The only way you will disciple others is if you are a disciple. And the only way you will be a disciple is if you know who the master is. You need to know who the master is. Discipleship is not easy. See, I don't know how many of you understand the privilege you have in this country. Out of 195 countries in this world, 52 of them is hostile to Christians. Out of his 28, it's illegal to a point if you are found with this word of God, you won't have a head over your neck. Tomorrow, we could go to this parking lot, hold hands, and we can worship and we can pray pray to God and nobody can stop us. That's the privilege we have. And yet, we stay silent. Have you paid the price to be Christians? No, we haven't. When my grandfather came to the faith, He has to give up his family. They disowned him. He raised his kids. My dad, he decided to serve God at a very young age. He had to sacrifice things in his life. He could have gone, got a college degree, got a job, would have given us a good, comfortable life. No. God called him to go preach. And he did it. The obedience We didn't have the most comfortable life. We didn't even know if there were food in the house next week. But God provided. We've never stayed hungry. Not even a single day. God provided. I know a girl, if my memory is right, she accepted. She comes from a different religion. She accepted Christ. 
and her complete family disowned her. A young girl in India who is in college don't know what the future looks like. There's no support system. There's nothing. She had to choose between her family or Christ. And she made that choice. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be fun. <laughs> but those are the people that we need to reach out to. And somebody decided to disciple her. The problem is we take our life so slowly and so comfortably we lose the vision, the focus that we have for our life. Proverbs chapter 29 verse 18, it says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Can I ask you, what is the vision of our church? That's something I've been praying for almost a year now. God, give us a vision as a church. Let me put this into perspective. Like, when you go for hangouts, what do you accomplish? Nothing. When you get together and you have no goal or an aim or a vision, what do you do? Nothing. You just talk, sit there. There's nothing coming out of it, right? You just go through the motion. You have some relaxing time. Same thing if you have not planned a day on a weekend, you know, you're sitting. By evening, you're like, oh, where did the day go? I was watching the TV whole day. Okay, great. What happened? Because we didn't plan out. There was no goal set. We just wasted the time. Same exact thing happens with our life. It's just not one day. If you do not have a vision... A vision saying, yes, my goal is I will be, I want to win this, ex, you know, 10 friends for Christ. These are the people. I have a list that I pray for. One of the guys on my list for last, uh, since 2010, so 12 years. I've been praying for this guy that he will come to Christ. I have a list wherein... Not like everybody I know, but very few people that I am like, God, I want these friends to come to Christ to know you. Do you have a list? Some of you do. And that's, that's what I'm talking about. You need to have a vision in your life that I am going to pour out into the youngster's life. I'm going to pour out into my you know, family the understand the discipleship starts in your family. I remember growing up, you won't get food until the family prayer is done. So you would come around, you'll sing a song, you read your Bible, we go one by one, everybody prays, then you get the food. Discipleship starts at home. Especially, I was reading somewhere uh, in this day and age where the school system is indoctrinating our kids with every wild things possible, sending them one day a week to church and making them paint or color a piece of paper is not going to give them the uh, ammo to fight this battle. 
It's much more than Sunday school. It will take much more than our Sunday school to raise up the next generation of church. And the vision should be clear what we want to do in life. And that reorientation needs to be done very often. Until unless we do that reorientation, we will just live every day and not know what we are doing. We'll go to church every Sunday. We think we are doing a great, stu- uh, great thing, but not. The reality is we are not going with a vision. We are not going, we don't have a goal. So I pray that in the coming days, let's reorient one more time and see where we are going. See, assess if we have a goal in our life, if we have vision. We prioritize everything else. I don't understand. Like the other day, Tim and Jeff were speaking and uh, they were saying how people would skip church to watch a game on the TV. And I was like, wait, what? what? I've never heard of that before. Like, I'm like, how could you do that? Like, my reaction was like, he's like, yep, that really happens in America. I'm like, how? Like, how could you skip church? And if this is what your children are seeing, what are you pouring into their life? If their games and their extracurricular activity comes priority over church, it's time to reassess. Don't blame the church. If they are not in here when they grow up. I'm not talking about like once in a blue moon, you know, you have to go to, I don't know, World Cup and, you know, play a game and win. Probably that would bring glory to God. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about every small things that you try to prioritize over the word of God and the work of God. <laughs> I remember, uh, you know, in India, we have something called as board exams. Uh, it's like state level. It's very important exam. It's a very important turning point in your education and career. And uh, I went to my father and said, you know what? Tomorrow I have my exam. It's a tough one. Um, you know, so I won't be coming to church today. My dad said, son, you haven't studied a whole year. This three, years not gonna, three hours is not going to make any difference. Come, let's go. <laughs> that was, we, I don't think, until, I don't think, until like I was 20 years old, I ever missed, maybe like once or twice I missed church in my life. It was shown as a priority. The life we live, nothing matters. Your job doesn't matter. I'm saying this all over again. Your job doesn't matter. Your, you know, your house, your car, none of it matters. Your children, none of it matters. We are called to go make disciples. Let me put this into perspective. You are saved. You have Jesus Christ. You're saved. Your eternity is secure in Christ. And you have a friend that you know is not saved. It's like this. Say you both are sitting and having a glass of water. And you realize that your friend's cup has a poison in it. And he's drinking it. And not doing anything about it. 
Because they are going to the eternal death. And you have the power to save them. You have the power to make them aware of who Christ is. Sitting quiet and not do anything about it. It's your friends and family, whoever is that that doesn't have Christ. Is dying and you know it. And you're not doing anything about it. This is why God said, God, Jesus, when he was leaving, he did not say, oh, take care, guys. You know, oh, don't get persecuted. He didn't say any of it. He said, go out, make disciples. Teach them everything that I commanded you. That's our one goal in life. Until that takes priority in our life, there's no hope in the next generation or our political system or anything that we so much give importance to. Christ is the center of all and it's time to honor him and focus on him. Shall we all bow our head? Today we're going to do a little different. We have some time. So I would like you guys to examine your heart and have that communication with God. I'm not going to tell you. If Spirit have convicted you, I would like you to make that prayer today. It's not about fancy words. It's not about a written script. It's your heart to his heart. Ask God to reveal where you need to reorient yourself. Where you fail to be the disciple of Christ. And what opportunities you have missed to make other disciples.